We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. It's six o'clock in the morning. I've just hopped into my car and I'm on my way to work with my trainer. And I look down and notice that the engine light has come on and also the red light that says that I need to change my oil. And as I scan my eyes down, I notice that the gauge on the left-hand side is has gone all the way up to the top. It's the temperature gauge on my vehicle. And my car is already hot. And I am begin to panic because this isn't the first time that my vehicle has overheated before. I live in a pretty small town, so my ability to get to one end of the town to the other in about five minutes is fairly possible. In the past, when my car has started to overheat, I've been able to make it at least home and then try to figure out what I'm going to do to be able to get the car fixed. But the last time that that happened, my car overheated in the middle of a busy intersection at the busiest time of the day. And I am now terrified that it's six o'clock in the morning and I'm going to be stranded somewhere halfway between my home and the Taekwondo Center. And so I'm just kind of giving up a little prayer and saying, please help me make it all the way to the Taekwondo Center. And then hopefully my car will be able to cool down enough that I can then drive home and then try to figure out what it is that I'm going to do. Thankfully, I make it to the gym and I work out with my trainer and I get back in the car. All the gauges are down at the bottom. And the moment that I turn my car back on, that gauge skyrockets from the bottom all the way up to the top. And I begin to panic. I'm thinking I am going to be stranded. It's now seven o'clock in the morning. The mother of my children is a school teacher. And so she's getting ready to teach school right now. Who else am I going to call if I happen to get stranded in the middle of the street? I pull up to the first stoplight and I swear that this stoplight is the longest stoplight that I've ever had to stop at forever. I'm trying to turn left. I'm in the left training zone and this stoplight keeps going on and on and on and on. And the whole time that I'm waiting seconds, it feels like five, six minutes are going by. All I'm all I'm worried about is my car's going to overheat. Is it going to overheat right now? It's totally going to overheat right now. And finally, it turns green and I am able to go about half a mile before I hit another red light. And again, it seems like this is the longest red light ever. And I'm waiting there and I'm waiting there and I'm looking at the gauge and it's all the way up to the top. And I swear that this is going to explode. My engine is going to explode right in the middle of the intersection. Finally, it turns green and I go about another half hour, another half mile down the road and another red light. I'm hitting every red light all the way home. And I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do? Yeah, I'm not going to make it. It's I'm just trying to come up with all kinds of 
ways to to deal with it if my car indeed dies in the middle of the road. I call the mother of my children and say, "Hey, just so you know, I'm I'm almost stranded, but she doesn't pick up." So she doesn't answer the phone. I don't know who else I'm going to call. I'm sitting there panicking. <sighs> I take a deep breath. I look down at the gauges again. And this time instead of looking at the gauge on the left-hand side, I look at the gauge on the right-hand side. And I'm a little confused because I notice that that is actually the temperature gauge of my car. And that little gauge is pointing right in the middle. It's not too hot and it's not too cold. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. And I'm really confused because this whole time I've been looking at the gauge and it's all the way at the top. And so I look at the right-hand side again and I notice that it is my fuel tank and that I just filled up my fuel tank the day before and it's full. I start laughing out loud as I drive home. This is the introduction to the question of the podcast. What happens to us when we hold on to stories that are not true? Well, as you can tell in this example, the story that I was telling myself was that my car was going to overheat. And I absolutely positively believed that it was true. And because I was telling myself that story, as I was looking at the gas tank and it was full, for whatever reason, my brain filtered out that I was actually looking at the fuel gauge and thought that I was looking at the temperature gauge. And so everything that happened from that point on was based on the belief that my car was going to overheat. I could notice the heat in my body beginning to rise. My heart was starting to beat out of my chest. My mind was going a million miles an hour. My hands were tight. I was panicking. I was scared. All because of an erroneous belief. But that's what happens when these core beliefs that we hold on to run our lives. All of us have wounds. We have wounds of rejection, abandonment, betrayal, neglect. We all have those different wounds. And as we've said before in this podcast, there are stories, there are core beliefs that are very much woven into these wounds so that when the wound gets hit, it activates these core beliefs. Core beliefs such as, I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. I don't matter. Core beliefs like, I can't trust other people. Nobody shows up for me. I can't depend on anybody to be there. My world is not safe. Core beliefs like, I'm powerless. There's nothing that I can do. It's always going to be like this. I'm doomed forever. And what happens is that when these core beliefs activate in ourselves, it ignites a chemical reaction, a chain reaction within our body that leads us to oftentimes go into the fight or flight response and then if we don't really get it fixed, can lead us to actually shut down entirely. And they're all based on these faulty core beliefs, just like the temperature gauge in my car. It actually was totally fine. But the core belief that I had that my car was going to overheat led me to react in ways that 
that I wouldn't have reacted if I had simply looked at the actual facts. And that's the beauty of these core beliefs. When we start to ask ourselves, well, is it completely true? I'm going to walk you through some of the questions that Byron Katie asks when she does her work. And you can learn more about Byron Katie at her website, thework.com. The first question that she asks is, is it true? So as I look at my belief that my car is overheating, the first question is, is it true? Well, in the moment, I absolutely thought it was true. So I would say, yes, it's true. And I often ask my clients to rate that on a scale of one to seven, with seven being absolutely true. And so the first question is, my car going to overheat? Is it true? What level is it? I would have said it's a seven out of seven. It is absolutely true. Look, look, look. And then the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? Well, yes, I think I can absolutely know it's true because look at the fuel gauge. Look at the fuel gauge. It's at, at, at full. It's all the way up to the top. Now, if I had just paused for a moment and listened to the words that I said, look at the fuel gauge, it's full, I would have been able to say, well, actually, maybe it's not completely true. And what's interesting is that the moment that I identified that this core belief wasn't true, everything shifted within my body. I laughed out loud. The panic and the fear and the distress completely went away as I recognized that this core belief was not true. Now, I know that's really hard to challenge sometimes because a lot of people will say, well, what if the core belief is true? And I'll give you an example. I was talking with a client today and she said, everybody in my family hates me. And I asked the first question, well, is it true? And she said, well, I know some people in my family hate me. And I said, okay, well, let's move those people over to one side and move all your other family members to the other side. And I said, now everybody in this side, they all hate you. Is it true? And she said, well, well, no, it isn't. And in that moment, we began to challenge the core belief. We began to shine some light on it and identify that it's not black and white. It, it may be true, but there's a possibility that it isn't true. And when we begin to break that down, we're more likely then to be able to identify, well, what is true? One of the things that the shadows of shame like to do is take these core beliefs and run with them. They exaggerate them. They make them bigger and louder and more scary. But when we stop and we ask ourselves, is it true on a scale of one to seven, how true does it feel? And if we're not giving it a seven, a six, a five, a four, a three, that means that there's some wiggle room in order to work things around. Now, sometimes the core belief is a seven and sometimes it actually is true. For example, back when my car was having some problems and it was overheating, it was true. My car needed some help. That was true. At the same time, recognizing that many of the core beliefs that are wired into my attachment wounds are not true. They are absolutely not completely true. And oftentimes they are completely false. And yet that's the operating system upon which I've been viewing the world. When we can change our core belief system, when we can start to ask some beautiful, important questions, 
it shifts everything for us. And that's what I'm hoping that you can do. One of the most powerful and easy ways of being able to do this is just identifying one of your core beliefs and writing it down on a piece of paper. That act alone has significant power because you now have separated yourself from the core belief simply by writing it on a piece of paper. And then you ask yourselves these same questions. Is this true? Is it absolutely true? What are the benefits that I'm getting out of believing that it's true when I don't actually have any evidence to support it? What would my life be like if I no longer believed that this was true? Asking yourself these questions, talking it out loud, journaling, asking it with a friend, that can be a powerful way of challenging these core beliefs and helping you begin to recognize that they are not true. And then when we can speak the truth, just like my car is not actually overheating, in fact, it is per performing perfectly well and it it's full of gas to boot, when I can identify that, and I can live that new truth, my world becomes a more peaceful, enjoyable, wonderful place to be. And I hope you can experience the same for you. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to troylove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace five-day challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.